Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment, and I'm excited to welcome the program Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? And you I'm know what? Great. You are a star Trekkie, and I, I say, am. You can, and you, as a Trekkie, you have lots of questions for this guest, and then also a great panel discussion that I'm very intrigued about. Uh, that as well, the event will be promoting. So go ahead first, Dave, and introduce our guest. Tim Russ, and for those of you who are Trekkies, whether you're first generation, second generation, third generation or more, you probably know who this guy is because, uh, well, let's face it, it doesn't matter what generation, uh, a Trekkie is a Trekkie. So Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, good to be here, good to be here. Um, so my first question, I, I just wanna ask you, did you always wanna be an actor or is this something that just fell into your lap? Um, I, you know, ever since I was uh, 16, uh, I became interested in doing it. I was uh, taking an acting class while I was in high school, uh, theater class, and I really enjoyed it uh, at that time. And I, I uh, did a couple of uh, shows, uh, musicals and things uh, while I was in high school. And then after that, I went to study uh, theater for about four or five years uh, in college. And, and uh, so I, I, was, I was interested in pursuing it. Um, you know, as early as my late teens, and and uh, consequently, after college, I eventually made my way to Los Angeles to also pursue uh, as a, pursue it as a full time career. So yeah, it's been ever since I was a teenager. Yeah, what year was that uh, when you started? Uh, I would say well, roughly nineteen seventy four is when I when I went off to uh, to college and uh, to study it uh, seriously. Um, and I was in my teens, it would have been, uh, 71, 72, but, uh, real 74 is when I really went off and, and, uh, and, and really set my sights on doing it, uh, sure. uh, getting a degree and learning it. Yeah. So interesting when you talk about that, Tim, in that process at that time, when you decided to become an actor, how did your family think about it? And then also, also other people breaking in the business at that time period as being, you know, African-American in that process of the challenges of certain acting roles and stuff like that. How, how did your family feel about you choosing that career? Um, you know, my, my, my dad was 20 years in the Air Force. He was in the military. And uh, he really wanted me to, uh, to pursue at least ROTC in college or go to a college that had ROTC and to take ROTC in case, you know, I decided to enlist in the military. I'd be able to enlist as an officer like himself. Um, he wasn't as enthusiastic about me going to school to study theater, obviously, because he would prefer that I go and do something that's more obviously would, would might uh, get a real job, be more secure and things like that. And uh, you know, uh, that's typical and not not uncommon. But uh, my mom was fine; she was okay with it. You know, they were just happy that I was uh, pursuing uh, a bachelor's degree at a university. As long as I got there and got that done, they were they were happy with that. Um, but yeah, yeah, until uh, you know, un until the time at which you know, I was able to break out and, uh, and, and get a couple of good opportunities for work uh, years later, because I didn't really get to Los Angeles until roughly um, 81, um, 82. And I didn't really break into any serious gigs until about 84, uh, somewhere in there, 83, 84. And until that time, they, um, they you know, uh, by that time, I should say, they, they came around to seeing that, okay, well, this paid off at some point in time. And yeah. um, things started, started to get rolling. It was great then, you know. 
what what was your great big break in 84 roughly around that when you when you feel like hey i made it well i got a break here in in los angeles while um uh, i auditioned for uh, dream girls which was oh. um arriving from new york here with jennifer holiday in the lead sure. um i auditioned for michael bennett at the time the late michael uh-huh. bennett and um i got one of the male principal roles uh, fourth male principal role character of marty and i played the, in uh-huh. the show for three or four months and it was uh it was a. It was great for me. It was an economic boon at the time. It was, uh, it, you know, I was able to put some money away and, and live off of that for a while. Um, and then about a year or two later, I I uh, got a break in a feature film called uh, F- uh, Fire with Fire with uh, uh, Virginia Madsen, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that was the, the the break for me as far as film television, you know. And that that role was. Um, not a stereotypical uh, African American role. It was a uh, it was a very good role. It was a solid part. Um, I enjoyed doing it. It was a good break for me. And um, I worked just after that uh, for Walter Hill for uh, Crossroads. Um, uh, and and from there on, uh, mostly from that point forward, mostly television. Um, mm-hmm. I went from feature film roles and quickly thereafter started working a lot of television. And I think that television was probably, I want to say probably the better way to go because it's a, it's a lot more steady in terms yeah. of uh, uh, income because of residuals and things like that, uh, that you can live off of over time. Uh, whereas the feature films are, are not uh, as generous you know, on a consistent basis sure. um, and an immediate basis. So, um, and at the time, I wasn't thinking necessarily in those terms. I was just thinking about whatever the next gig was. I'll, you know, I'm happy to have it. And the types of roles tended to be a little bit more stereotypical in television than they were now. There was a lot of, uh, for, for African-Americans, there was a lot of gang members and drug dealers and bad guys. So uh, I did play a number of those types of roles starting out. And then after that, uh, those roles kind of tapered off and they became a lot more varied and... Um, and, uh, and, and straightforward and, and, and even in some cases unusual uh, um, based on independent films that were being made. Yeah. Any so comedy? About that transition, Tim, from... Comedy as well, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, good. Yeah. Transition from, from going from film to TV. Was that a difficult transition for an actor? No, no, no. The transition from film to TV is easy. It's the other way around that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> going from television to film, not so easy. Um, you know, there's a, there's a saying that I, that I will never forget from a casting director years and years ago, I want to say when I was starting out in a workshop, she said, um, there are no rules and they are strictly adhered to. Um, <laughs> and that is ever so true because nothing's written down in a book, but it exists. And um, nobody says it, nobody admits it, but it's uh, the casting directors kind of turn their nose up at uh, TV actors um, if they're casting features um, and TV uh, casting directors will look at uh, feature actors um, much more seriously and much more closely. The producers will tend to go with them. Stepping to television is basically much easier going from feature films. The feature films have a higher status yeah. you know, in the business. That's just the way it is. Um, and it's, and if, you know, it's changing now, obviously, Right. Uh, you can see with the lead actors, uh, big, big name actors are all doing what? They're all doing television. Television. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because of the so, long term. So you were uh, Netflix in, or other in, in, Yeah. God damn. Uh, that? You, you were cutting out, Steve. Um, yeah, in, the, in the 60s, you were old enough to uh, watch Star Trek, the original, yes? Yeah, um, at the and I, big I Trekkie watching, fan, were you? Well, you know, well, not really. Uh, I would say. Um, in 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 a, in a convention sense, not a, a Trekkie fan necessarily. <laughs> I what when I was growing up, obviously, uh, back in the day, there was only three channels, and you know I know as much about Star Trek as I do Gilligan's Island, Isle of Lucy, and sure. you know you know uh, Andy of Mayberry. Uh, mm-hmm. I can quote any one of those shows as much as I can Star Trek. That's all we watched was reruns of those shows over and over, and that's all the way through my college years. And after college, so um, I was familiar with those shows because we didn't have obviously any internet to go to. We didn't have Amazon or Netflix. We didn't have 
You know, we couldn't run to the movie theaters all the time. And if we did, it was only one theater, not a multiplex. Sure. Um, so uh, it's either that or read a book. So there was not a whole lot of um, uh, to, options to watch anything other than what was on currently or what was in repeat. So I, we, we, my friends and I, we would watch all of these shows together and, um, and, I, and, and I enjoyed all of them. And, and so they were ingrained by the time uh, I get to go to, 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 uh, to read for Star Trek or to, to audition for any of the shows. Well, I'm already familiar with this thing backwards yeah. and forwards. Um, yeah. And, and, and the original series, admittedly so, was, uh, consisted of some very good stories. It's, this, the franchise has always um, yeah. had really good stories, you know, and that's, that's critical. And not just, yeah, you know, uh, blowing things up and shooting at stuff. That's not what the show's about. Show's about stories. Sure. It's about people. It's about uh, the interactions between different species and human beings, which mirrors our own culture. That's what the show is uh, is all about. It tests our morals. It, uh, you know, it examines things, our, our conflicts and things like that, and brings them to the forefront with these uh, interactions. Yeah. So it's a very different type of show than, for example, it, it, its counterpart, Star Wars. Uh, it's a very yeah. different type of show that way. I agree. It goes deeper into the science, science fiction in a certain way, but also into really how certain species interact together. Yes, absolutely. And w which mirrors our own cultures and, and, and works out all the things that we have difficulties with. They started that since the original and they keep doing it now. Exactly. And our, pers our perspectives on other cultures and yeah. how we get surprised in, in the Star Trek universe with what we assume is one thing and we turned out to be another. And that, I love I love those twists, uh, quite yeah. frankly. As I recall, Star Trek was one of the first series that actually brought a black actor uh, into it early Correct. on when uh, a lot yeah. of people weren't doing that. No, not especially uh, Nichelle Nichols as an officer on the bridge. Yeah, um, that had never been very done beautiful. As yeah, well. <laughs> very beautiful. Yes, and and talented, and 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 uh, and portrayed an African American as a lead actor. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a, as, a, as an officer on the bridge of a ship, you know, and yeah. and that's that's pretty good status. Um, also had a couple of guest stars. William Marshall, one of my favorite actors, yeah. was also a guest star as a lead character as a, as a scientist on one of the episodes. Yeah, there's you know, it's really um, you know Roddenberry was way ahead of his time yeah. uh, when he put the show together. I mean, and in fact, the series didn't last that long because I think right. people were just not you know uh, they weren't ready too for soon. it. They weren't used to it. Yeah, it was just a little too soon. Um, the computer age and space age was just getting started. It was just getting going, and uh, people were not uh, necessarily that into yeah. it. Yeah. Well, when by the time Voyager came along, there were great opportunities to use racial themes and racial storylines with uh, aliens, right? One hundred percent. They explored our show in particular. Explored Darwinian origins um, <laughs> on one of our episodes. I mean, my goodness. Um, they they explored uh, life after death. Um, wow, that was pretty heavy too. I was looking at that script and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, here we go. I wonder what the, uh, the, uh, what are the, the Bible belt's going to think about this episode, yeah. but that's, that's, you know, we explored that. We explored revisionist history, which is also, yeah. you know, dear to my heart. Um, I got a chance to direct one of those episodes, Living Witness, and it was really? about, it was about revisionist history, you know, uh, and I'm a, hist a history buff. I love history. Uh -huh. And, great. um, and uh, and explored the, you know, why or how we interpret things, you know, what we believe in now based on what happened in the past. And yeah. did it really happen the way that we've been told or that we study or that we read? Is that what really occurred? Is that really how it, how it unfolded? You know, those kinds of things. Deep and stuff. How, how much it affects the, the current, present relationship yeah. between cultures or people. Right. Did you think when you first uh, auditioned, uh, when you had the opportunity, that was that a big op like did you think you were gonna get it when you auditioned do you think it's um you know i didn't uh at the time i was auditioning for that show and i actually auditioned for um uh next generation first it's a seven-year process mm. before voyager came along I, I auditioned for next generation uh jordy laforge's role uh for the pilot for for uh, that show um and it was just another audition for me i was going in to read i didn't know what the circumstances were i didn't know what the stakes were um, I did know that that show was probably already sold and ready to go. Um, so that, that kind of raises the stakes of reading for something like that. And um, I was just happy to have a chance to do, to do that. Um, every time I read for stuff, you know, when I get done and, and walk out of that room, I just go, go to the gym and play basketball back in the day <laughs> and to forget about it because it's so, out of your hands at that point. 
Um, and uh, consequently, uh, LeVar Burton got that role. I went in to read for the, for the uh, Deep Space Nine, uh, not long thereafter for the pilot series on that for uh, Sadig's role, the doctor. I did not get that. And then I, then I read for three years off and on for guest star roles on both of those shows. Did not get any of those. Oh, my gosh. Uh, three years going back and forth. I must have read, I don't know, eight, ten times. And didn't get anything. And, um, and so I, uh, I, later on, I finally, booked, um, I finally booked an episode of Next Gen. And then I booked an episode of Deep Space Nine. And then I booked a, a role on the feature film Generations. And then later on, Voyager came along and they brought me in to read for that role. So it was a long, long process. <laughs> it really was. Holy cow. What's, so, the, uh, what's the future? What are you looking at? The future, uh, currently, um, I've got a television series project that I'm waiting to hear back from a uh, producer that I worked with on Voyager, in fact, mm. um, to see if he might be able to show run for me. Um, myself and my partner, we have a series, uh, I won't say it's a contemporary show that takes place today, but it's got sci-fi elements in it. Mm. And uh, his partner and he are working on science fiction all the time. So I'm looking forward to hearing back from them. I'm just waiting on a hold, holding pattern until they can, uh, they can maybe get this thing going. Um, it's a cool show, and I'm hoping to hear back from them soon. I'm looking to direct another science fiction project. Uh, as, soon as, we're, as soon as we're able to get back and get things going, uh, I'll be shooting that as a feature project that's a more akin to um, a Star Wars feel, but not, not nearly the scope and the scale but it is a piece that takes place in another, you know, a solar system and uh, with all the troubles going on there, et cetera. So I'm looking to do a project like that as well. Those things in particular, um, and also a, a third project uh, that uh, would be a remake of a feature called um, um, Oceans Away, is it Oceans Away? Away no, um, Abandoned Ship. It was a movie called Abandoned Ship. And there's a story we're doing that's, a producer of mine is doing um, that is based on that same concept. So looking to shoot that as well. So more looking to work behind the camera on either projects of my own or projects that other people are doing um, directing. Um, and also, you know, with the acting roles, if they come in, they come in. I don't, I don't have any control over that. The agent sure. manager sends them to great me attitude for them. Yeah. And, and I go do them, you know, exactly. Uh, so, you know, your fans, the Star Trek fans. Yes. How awesome are they? Like, <laughs> well, they are, they are the most, the most enthusiastic fans on the planet. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, no fan on the planet is more enthusiastic than a Trek fan. Um, you know, do you show up at you, the conventions that they have? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get invited to do uh, conventions, oh. um, and, and I've been doing those for, you know, 27 years, uh, wow. basically. Um, um, every, every single year, um, we had a whole bunch scheduled this year initially, but they were all of course canceled. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, they're remarkable. Um, uh, very dedicated, uh, to the show, uh, and very enthusiastic to really enjoy watching the show. And, um, you know, I've been, I, you know, I've, I've kind of been on the other side of that, um, uh, that feeling myself and, for some folks who are uh, real uh, folks in terms of um, what they do, uh, Jane Goodall, I was a big fan, a big fan of her. Alma had a almost had a chance to meet her at, a, at, a, at an event, and I, and I just missed it because she was swamped, and I didn't, you know, we had to go to the event, and we couldn't, I couldn't, I never had a chance to talk to her or meet her, and I was just so excited to be, I'd want to just shake her hand, you know. Um, and uh, Buzz Aldrin, I got a chance to meet him in an event oh. as well, and I was so excited to meet him. And, and there is that sense of fandom as, as well for, for myself, and I understand the, uh, the concept of it. Um, so you believe in UFOs, yes? Well, in, in, in point uh, The New of York fact, Times just came out with this big article that said the government's withholding all this stuff, and now it's, it's I, clean. In, 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 point of, in point of fact, um, um, I'm an amateur astronomer uh, by okay. hobby. I've been for 30 years. Um, and, um, and, and in point of fact, I also... Uh, I do believe that there have been um, unidentified flying objects that, uh, uh, that have appeared on numerous occasions um, that have been verified by uh, radar and visual sighting simultaneously. And 
once you have those two things working together, then you have to stop and, and uh, you have to stop and wonder. You have to stop and sort of put things in a category. It's usually uh, if it isn't A and it's not B, then it has to be C. And uh, whether they are extraterrestrial, whether they are uh, interstellar, whether they are interdimensional, or whether they are traveling through time, A, B, C, or C, some, one of those three, yeah. there's something going on, and they are unexplained. Um, and, and I am absolutely fascinated by that mystery, because sure. I love mysteries anyway. But I am really fascinated by that mystery. And yes, the government has finally come around and said that they are interested in uh, studying these and I'm trying to understand them, obviously because of national security, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, but that being said, you know, come on, man, the American military and the government admitting this stuff, eh, something's going on. Exactly. Something's going on. Are you a man of faith and what does one have to do with the other? Um, not particularly. I, um, I was raised as a Protestant, but, uh, I am, I'm, I, I, I believe I'm, I love science. Science is, is my thing. Um, hard science, real science. I, like I said, I'm an amateur astronomer and I, st and I pursue it uh, vehemently. And, uh, I love, uh, you know, watching and reading about it all the time. Um, I have, I'm not particularly religious. I haven't been for some years. Um, you know, I, you know, look, I look at, at, at the planet, I look at the history of the solar system, the history of the universe. Um, everything came from something else, and that's a process of living and dying, living and dying. The stars uh, give birth, the stars die. And in that process, uh, more elements are created, these elements become what we are right now. And everything that happened prior to our culture, our language, and our belief systems was a process of living and dying. And there was no uh, belief in anything. There was, there was only the process of living and dying. And yeah. since we don't have a camera crew that can go across the other side after death and come back and give us a detailed report, you know, on an iPhone or a camera, um, we don't actually know uh, what occurs upon death. We will know eventually. And in actuality, we may never know eventually because we may, as human beings, surpass that hurdle of death. And I believe that will also happen. There will come a time when there won't be any death. There will be immortality. That's what we will do, as long as we're alive and we're, you know, our technology is still intact. We will overcome that hurdle. There won't be that hurdle. Um, and that's because of science. It's because of what we do, what we are. You know, in the past, we believed, uh, basically, as a culture, we didn't know what the moon was. We didn't know what the sun was. And we gave them supernatural powers. We gave them, we made them deities to explain things. We didn't know what earthquakes were. We didn't know what tsunamis were. We didn't know what volcanoes were. We gave them power because they had power over our lives that we could not control. We did not understand what they were. They get, we gave them the magic and, and human beings have been our spiritual creatures by nature, um, which is easy for us to become spiritual and supernatural is easy for us to grasp because it's two or 3,000, 4,000 years, five, 6,000 years of that compared to 200 years of science. Every time we pull back the veil of something we don't understand, we no longer see it as supernatural. We don't worship the moon and the sun because we know what they are. So every step, everything we un unveil uh, in terms of what we don't understand or don't know, it takes away the, the supernatural uh, uh, aspect of it. And that, that's where we kind of are now. Um, you know, yeah. uh, 200 years from now, I don't think religion is going to be playing anywhere near the part that it does right now in our society. It simply won't. Interesting. Now, Dave, I'm going to jump to the event coming up next week. Tell us about the, the panel you're going to be part of. Tim, the panel next week. You're oh, next week. Oh, um, the panel is about race and, and um, in science fiction and uh, <clears throat> the, the entertainment business, um, uh, how it affects uh, all of us, how it works, how, what the impact has been, what the changes have been um, in the media with, uh, with race relations and television and film. And I think it's uh, going to be a really cool panel. I, haven't done one like that before, so that'll be very interesting. Mm. 
So kind of add more to it in that way. What do you think you're going to add to the panel in the discussion? Well, I have a cup. I have the perspective of working as an actor, African-American actor in front of camera. And, I, and, and I've also got experience working behind the camera and, and working in this business um, with uh, projects and, and, uh, and the producing elements of this thing, uh, dealing with networks and dealing with the studios and things like that. And that, that, those two are different perspectives. Um, uh, working in front of the camera, behind the camera, in, in, in terms of those kinds of relations. It's a very, it, it's different because the, you know, you're dealing with people who have to make decisions and who are the people that are in the position to make those decisions as opposed to people who are working for others in those projects like an actor or a, um, a singer or a, a director or whatever it might be. It's, it's a little tricky um, in terms of, of the difference between the two and that's, that's something I have a perspective on uh, rather than somebody who might be on the viewing side of all of that uh, as an audience member. Um, and, and, and that that whole, you know, environment and uh, that whole playing field is kind of changing because of technology. Um, it's changing, you know, so, uh, you know, and what we see and how much, what's available and what's, what's out there and what you can do yourself to, uh, as far as your own projects go and the potential you have for that is uh, very different than when I started out, like dramatically different. So are you optimistic about race relations in the future? I, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. I, uh, you, you asked earlier about, you know, <laughs> about religion and faith and all that. And when I say, when I spoke about that earlier, what I, what I meant was, is also the, the, the character of human beings and what we do uh, and here in the here and the now is far more important than what we believe in necessarily. It's how we interact with each other, what we, how we treat each other, what we do and how we treat the planet, um, what, you know, how, we, how we work together uh, to achieve a goal. Um, those things are far more important than what we believe in. You can believe in whatever you want all day long and still be the biggest, you know, asshole on the planet you know and to, and to treat people like crap so what does it mean to believe anything it doesn't mean anything what it means is what you do with your life and how you treat other people um i i think as far as uh as far as uh, uh as far as race goes i believe in in the the element of evolution man evolution we've gone through to get here to this point and evolution continues there's cultural evolution there's physical evolution um there's the the evolution of nature there's also the evolution of, of the way in which we interact. Look at the planet right now. We don't have worldwide wars right now. We haven't had them for decades. Up to that point, since, since humankind could pick up a rock, we've been killing each other on almost every continent, you know, every single century. Just, just destruction everywhere. And right now, we don't have that. Um, the threat may potentially be there with nuclear weapons, but we don't have it. We haven't had it for decades. So that is saying something for how we've kind of come across and into this world of, you know, dealing with our differences, you know, uh, politically. Right. Um, and that there's a lot to be said about that. And, and, and obviously the difference between now and 300 years ago, 400 years ago for African-Americans. I know we aren't slaves in the field picking cotton. We are now, you know, uh, the president of the United States. I mean, that's, that's the change that we've gone through culturally. So if we have a hiccup or a bump in the road, like we might have right now, um, then we will surpass that. We will get past that. Everything evolves over time. And um, I am fairly certain and fairly confident that, you know, even what we're going through now will also change and that we will evolve beyond this point and it will improve again. Um, 200 years from now, um, this society and this world will, won't be recognizable to any of us um, as it wouldn't have been from somebody 200, 300 years ago. Uh, that's part of the thing. You know, people just have to let, people have to understand, many of them out there have to understand that's what's happening. They don't want to, but unfortunately, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. Women can vote. You know, African-Americans can vote. We don't have to sit in the back of the bus um, women have rights, gays can get married. All of these things have happened. That is cultural evolution. You cannot stop that train. I don't care what you do. That's the name of the game. Um, and and those, those cultural evolutions and revolutions will continue to happen. 
Um, and if you get, you get on board, you're going to get left. Now, last thing about the other panelists are involved in this event and how can people, is our, it's online, correct? So people can- the panel- Yes, absolutely. Yes. I, I have it posted on all my, my Twitter page, uh, my um, Instagram page, and my Facebook page. Awesome. And how can we follow you? On, on those you can places? follow me, Tim Russ 2 uh, on Twitter is Tim Russ 2 the number two. Um, Facebook is just myself, Tim Russ. And uh, Twitter is, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Instagram is T-R Vulcan, T-R-V-U-L-C-A-N, T-R Vulcan. You're not and a Vulcan, are you? What is the date for the event again, Tim? Um, I believe it's the 26th of, of August, 26th. I think that's a Wednesday, isn't it? I yes. I have to look at my phone. And yeah, then the, la- the last thing, uh, the two other panelists that are joining you, are you, yeah. you know them very well? Both no, I don't. I don't know. Really? Them. No. Wow. Uh, I, uh, well, I know. I take the back. Garrett. Garrett Wong is on there. He just, yeah. he just signed on. So yes. I do know Garrett. The other panelist is, um, oh, who is it? Um, I don't think I know the other panelist. Yeah, he's involved in another type of science section. Type thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know him personally. No. <clears throat> no. Okay, awesome. All right. Dave has a question to finish up, and it's a caregiving. Dave is a caregiver. That's why I said he was caregiver, Dave. So, Dave, go ahead and ask the question, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, so I wrote a book because my wife had a stroke, uh, lost her speech 24 years ago, became paralyzed on one side, went through a grief process. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Um, She cannot still talk, but she can communicate non-verbally. Right. Pictionary charades, two games I'm not very good at, but I'm learning to love, and she's in a power chair. She goes faster than I can, so she's become very independent, and and she's an inspiration to many. And so I became uh, Dave, the caregiver's caregiver. I realize there's so many other caregivers out there we're suffering and, and uh, I don't want him to, to give up like I almost gave up. So I started a website, caregiverdave.com and uh, wrote a book, uh, bestseller. And it's, it's basically uh, helping caregivers to learn how to stay alive because 30% of them statistically die before their loved ones do from burnout and stress. And so my question to you um, is, well, how has caregiving touched your life? Because I like to say, you're either going to become one or you're going to need one. That's, there's no escaping it. Caregiving is going to touch you. I had to, uh, yes, I had to take care of my father. He was uh, suffering from short-term uh, memory loss, dementia. Mm, so um, sorry. For a number of, a number of years. And, um, and so I do understand what that's like. And it's really a profound um, uh, dis- disability that not being able to remember anything short-term um, it, it was difficult for me because I would spend, you know, so much time with him and, and, and before I could, uh, you know, go home or leave to, 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 to go home, I, I, uh, he had forgotten I was there and it was just, uh, it was really, it was really tough. Um, yeah. he couldn't, he couldn't uh, go anywhere. <laughs> he couldn't travel, couldn't do anything because he would not recognize his surroundings and he would, he would be uh, wanting to pack his, his bag and go back home or do whatever because he thinks he doesn't realize where he is. It was a very difficult uh, thing to go through. It was not a full-time caregiver position, but it was um, often so. Um, um, I can't imagine um, having to uh, deal with someone who is, um, who is permanently disabled, whether they would be quadriplegic or paraplegic. Um, whether they might be suffering something even more serious, um, as you're, in your case, it's difficult. I can't imagine that uh, being a full-time thing, and 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 it points up the need for our society to um, to have some kind of healthcare basis for people who are permanently disabled. Yeah. Um, to me, and as I was saying before, the caregiving, the as a society as a whole. Do I mind having my tax dollars go to help your wife? No, I don't. Because 10 minutes from now, I can be in the very same position as she is. Literally, 10 seconds from now, I can be in the same position. My daughter can be in the same position as your wife. Anyone can suffer something like that and be permanently disabled and require full-time health care. And here we are arguing about this politically as to whether or not there should be. I don't, well, this, this, what I was saying earlier is the same thing. I don't care what you believe in, man. Um, if it comes down to it, are you willing as a, as a member of the society to support your fellow man? Are you willing to support your fellow countrymen? Are you willing to support someone else in their loss, in their difficulty? They may never be able to recover. They may go to their grave in that condition. So what? You know, how much is that going to cost you to help them? To everybody to pitch in. Yeah. 
you know, because everybody can be in that position at any time. People don't understand this. Right. You know, yeah, you may be Adonis. You may be a Superman right now. Yeah, until a car crash on your way to wherever you're going to 7-Eleven. And then you wind up on a, on a gurney for the rest of your life. Yep. Yeah, and then you need help. And that's when we, everybody else can pitch in. That's, yep. the, that's the name of the game. You know, uh, whatever help and assistance you would need or I would need or somebody else might need. Um, yep. That's what's important. And th that makes us all, in a sense, as a society, uh, yep. caregivers. Yeah, well, that's my goal to speak before Congress and the president. I've already been on 35 TV shows and uh, Carnegie Hall and NASDAQ and Harvard. And, and so uh, that's, that's the direction I'm going. Man, that's what, and that's what we need, too. Yeah. We need that. Somebody's got to wake up somebody to, to, to help them understand what the heck's going on here. Because that burden is almost insurmountable for some people. Um, that's full-time care, man, you know, exactly. um, and it's medical help in some cases, uh, machines or, or, uh, the, 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 the equipment or something else to keep somebody alive and help them communicate, to help them get around, um, medicines and whatever it might be. I mean, you know, Christ, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. And in, in terms of what is the, as far as the individual, what is it about them that makes them, you know, uh, it gives them something that and some kind of enlightenment some kind of purpose is 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 how much we pitch in to help each other right you know how much do we do we share you know uh do we pay the extra percentage to, so that somebody you know in the middle of a farmland can have you know some internet capability you know a cell phone tower or something you know so that they can be part of society as well yeah i don't mind paying that little fraction on my bill for that you know, if it helps somebody else have a chance to, to be part of our society, mm -hmm. all that stuff is there. Yeah. It's, it's just to me common sense. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming by, Tim, and really giving us a good understanding of, uh, you know, your passion for science, your passion for Star Trek, Thank and you. your Trekkie fans will continue and we'll make sure that they get to see this side of Tim Russ. Thank Sometimes you very much. Get to, and everyone on Wednesday night, eight o'clock. Eastern, right? Is that correct, or is it the time? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm three hours behind, so it's going to be. Uh, I think what is it? Five of. Uh, yeah, what time is it? I think yes. it's five o'clock for me. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah it's five, five for me. Yeah, we'll make sure we post it on all the different websites. Promote it, Tim. <clears throat> and appreciate you coming by. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you for you, having me, guys. Right Take care. Are you, all right, bye bye. All right, you're watching the Neil Haley Show. Bye -bye. We'll be back in just a moment. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K through 12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. Celebrity Slots. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. And I'm excited looking to welcome to the program Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? You know, it's very interesting. Awesome. We have a lot of chemistry for this guest, and I'm excited. But you're the Trekkie. 
Star Trek, I've, we've kind of uh, really reached an area, always we're reaching areas of some of your favorite stars of different shows, don't we? Yes, yes, and I love Star Trek. And I was just telling them in the beginning, you know, it was just the original that I loved, and then the new ones would come out, and oh, I don't know about this Picard guy, and then I watched him, and I was hooked. And then the next one, you know, and all that stuff. But the, we have a, an actor with us, Garrett Wang, and you will know him from the Voyager Star Trek series, Ensign Harry Kim, right? Correct, correct. It's so funny. Got it right. Ensign is a, lot of, is, a, is a more obscure naval ranking term. So some people go, Ensign? I go, no, it's not Ensign. <laughs> I'm not a sign on the street, you know. Uh, and also, just to quickly clarify, I know it's, it's spelled W-A-N-G, but it's pronounced like an O. So Wong. it is Garrett Wong. Yes, sir. That is the correct oh, pronunciation. That's more Asian. So, yeah, well, that's the way you'd say it in China. And uh, uh, Vera, Vera Wang, the designer, is incorrectly pronouncing her name. So I'm uh -huh. still waiting for the day that I come across her and I can shake her up. You will one day. Yes. I love your background, by the way. <laughs> See, you. I would have messed that up, so thank Dave. goodness Dave did. Now yeah. let's go ahead and go to the first question. Now, so Delian, Dave can get be allowed because, again, he was talking about he just had surgery a week ago. So he's still getting over surgery. Oh, uh, yeah, so, yeah. You yeah. see my, my leg Dave. is right, right up here by the screen and it's, yeah. it's got to be elevated. What did you have done, sir? What, what well, I am a biker. So I, I go on a bicycle. I go to Mexico twice a year, Ensenada to Rosarita Beach, 51 miles through the mountains. And so I'm practicing uh, on one of those off trips. And this lady pulls right in front of me when I'm about 10 oh. feet in front of her. I slam into her fender. I go flying through the air, <sighs> body slam her windshield, crack it, bounce onto the asphalt. <sighs> the ER tells me it's not fractured. It's just a sprain. So I says, he said, but you should go see your orthopedic surgeon. But, you know, who wants a, a broken ankle? I believe you. I don't need to see him. Well, 30 days later, I go see him because it won't stop hurting. And he oh, says, man. well, look at the same picture. He says, I see a fracture. Oh my! So wow. Now seven years later, uh, it's arthritis has destroyed it. So I, he needed to reconstruct it, do some fusion. But see, if wow. this was the time of Star Trek, they can just point that little machine at it. Yeah. Boom! All done. <laughs> they just wave it along your Will leg. Will that ever it. happen? I would love Will for it? that to happen. I, as you can see, you're a sci-fi guy, right? Yeah. Look at the oh. scar here. I oh, just yeah, I had a surgery. That. Yeah, I had surgery May seventh. They go in through your neck to do spinal surgery. That's how they. Wow. Do. Oh, it's, yeah, so it's how a did you have back problems? Uh, yeah, I just I had a really bad fall on uh, my, oh. my my disc between my C five and C six vertebrae. That was so enlarged that it was pushing against the spinal fluid oh, and the spinal gosh. cord. It reduced mobility in my knees. My hands were numb. It was just bad. So you're I lucky it was a successful surgery. A lot of them yes. Are. Yes, that's true. And, that's true. Uh, it wasn't a worker's comp uh, work-related, right? No, it wasn't. No, <laughs> dead gummit. Well, glad you're doing good. So both how are good. you surviving the pandemic? Yeah, well, you know, honestly, the, this, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a tough process for myself as well, but thank God I've been able to distract myself with my own podcast, um, the Delta flyers, which launched, uh, May 4th of this year. I do that wow. along with uh, Robbie McNeil, one of my co-stars on Voyager and we review every single Voyager episode and we, we have special guests and we've been having a blast. Never thought you'd bring up podcasts, right? If you're too busy at conventions all the time and acting, there would be no time for a podcast, right? No. Yeah, but no. I'll tell you, though, the, the crazy thing, Neil, is that um, in just ordering equipment alone, because of the pandemic, everything was backordered, out of stock. It was just sitting here going, really? That ring light's gone? Really? That microphone's gone? It's like, oh. So and green screens, I mean, this is the time for any company that is making microphones, green screens, uh, uh, ring lights to just make a windfall right now. Everyone's doing it. I wonder after the pandemic, how many will stick to it? I could tell you out of a bunch of people that started radio shows with me 10 years ago, a lot of them are not around. They didn't. Oh, I'm sure. They didn't. They didn't. And that was the days of the internet radio and then the independent radio. Now yeah. it's going radio show to podcast. I like it because it just gives you another way of, of transforming the show in other areas. But it's just, when I heard the word podcast a couple of years ago, yeah. it, it stung like, oh, you're just doing a podcast. <laughs> now it's become cool. And I'm it glad. Cool. I'm glad because I love the industry and I think it's great video or audio. It's a great thing. Mm. All right, Dave, first question for Garrett. Can you just review for me? Um, can you just review for me the sequence of Star Trek? Because, uh, you know, I, I can't keep track of them anymore with all yeah. of the different series and then sure. with the movies come out. So sure. I'm sure you've got them in order, right? The yeah, first yeah. one. Sure. What do they call the well, original one? 
Well, it, they just say the original series, the original TOS. Series. TOS okay. is the abbreviation. They always try wow. to abbreviate to three letters, <laughs> right? Um, when TOS ended, of course, there was a huge gap in time because we're talking about 1966 sure. to 68, and then nothing came out until the mid-80s when wow. Next Generation, which is referred to as TNG for the Next Generation, generation. Patrick Stewart was the captain on that one. Um, and during the run of TNG, uh, producers kind of branched off and said, let's do another Star Trek and let's call it Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So that's abbreviated as DS9. That is with the first black captain. That's uh, uh, Captain Cisco. So we have that show. And it it's takes place on a space station. So it's, it's a little different in that all the other Star Trek series, there's always a ship and we're going out, we're exploring, we're, we're, we're doing all kinds of things. And this one's set To boldly go where no man has gone before. Right. And DS9 is like to boldly go nowhere else except for the space <laughs> station. Is, you know. But still, it's a good show. I do like DS9. Picard was the second one, right? Picard, no, uh, TNG is the second one, the next generation. Okay. So, okay, so it goes the original series, next generation, DS9 with Captain Cisco, then Voyager, which replaced next generation when it ended, and it was running the same time as the end of T uh, DS9. Uh, Voyager's with Captain. Um, I almost said Captain Mulgrew, Captain, uh, <laughs> Captain Janeway, played by Kate Mulgrew, and that's the one I was on. I like that one. Yes, I played the operations and communications officer on the ship. And I always tell people, uh, from the original series, we do have a communications officer, Uhura, but no operations officer. From Next Generation, we have no, op uh, no communications officer, but we do have an operations officer, played by Data the character Data. So yeah. I always say Ensign Kim being Ops Com is the love child of Data and Ohura. So that's how you Oh, <laughs> drama. Yes, drama. After so, my show ended, there was Enterprise with Scott Bakula as the captain, oh which God. is actually like a prequel. It takes place before the era of Captain Kirk. So it really, uh, even though yeah, I was a young guy, the visual effects of Enterprise in 2004, uh, 2001 to 2005 were much better than the original series in 1966. Sure. Supposed to take place before Kirk. And after Enterprise ended, uh, right now we have a just, oh my gosh, we have a smorgasbord of choices. We have Picard, <laughs> Star Trek Picard with... Uh, a, Again, Patrick Stewart doing his role as Picard. We have Star Trek Discovery, which is another prequel that takes place before the original series. Um, and then um, we have we have Lower Decks, an animated Star Trek, which is out right now. So, And there's plans to have a, a spinoff of a Captain Pike Star Trek series. So there may be five series happening at the same time. So, And Gene Roddenberry makes money on all of this stuff? Gene Roddenberry's son makes money on all this his stuff. Son, Gene Roddenberry yeah. has passed away. Rest but his soul. Rest his rest his soul. He's making yes. money, right? He's making money for his his, yes. his family and everybody yes, else. Yes, yes. The yeah. Roddenberry and, the Roddenberry lineage is 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 going. And to hopefully be those heirs life. understand what it's like to earn money and not just have it handed you on a silver <laughs> platter and mess up your lives on drugs. I think his son knows the value of it. Oh, his grandson, who is yeah. currently, I think, five years old, he may not know exactly what's no, happening. Not on the third generation, they always know. Yeah. There, there's, yeah, those, <laughs> are the, those are the guys that don't really care so much. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm loaded. What, what of it? You know? <laughs> I'm a fan of Star Trek before auditioning. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, that is a misconception of many people. They think that every Star Trek actor is a huge fan of the genre. That is incorrect. Only about 10% of all Star Trek actors are really sci-fi fans, including myself. I'm definitely a huge sci-fi fan. Do you become, do you all become sci-fi fans and Trekkies? Uh, I think, yeah, I think the, the other 90% do fall in line. Yeah, to yeah. a point. For sure. <laughs> um, but then, um, you know, there's some that it's just a job for them, right? It's just a job. They did it. They're done with it. It's, it's not something they would do on their spare time. But for me, my first sci-fi was 1977 Star Wars in the theater. I was uh, eight, eight oh, wow. years old and it was, to me, it was life-changing. I, I fell in love with sci-fi because of Star Wars. No. Star Wars, um, I fell in love with sci-fi as well. Yeah. The Trekkie. I've liked the Trekkie movies, yeah. some of them, but I don't know why. I, guess, yeah. I think it's probably the, I've, as I said, more intelligence is the Star Trek. Mm. Yeah. Star Wars is more of the battles and the fights. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, the analogy has always been, if you're talking about a painter, broad brush strokes, Star Wars, detailed painting lines, small lines, Star Trek, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. I probably would like it now yeah, more cool. binge watching than I would then. And that's so great that all your shows continue to be aired in other ways, but also 
binge watching. Did you think oh, yeah. when you auditioned, because again, this is another Star Trek version that you would last this many seasons and have the success you had? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'd always heard that um, the, only, the only constant in Hollywood is, is change or that there is no constant. But if there is something that's always going to be you know, there, it's Star, it's Star Trek. It's always the one thing that people say that, you know, you're not going to be canceled after the first season. You're going you're gonna to go, you're going to go on and on and on and on and on. So, you know, people say that uh, writers like Jules Verne uh, almost changed, and maybe they actually did change the direction of governments to go out and have a space program. Do you think Star Trek uh, had any influence on our space program? Uh, I, I definitely <laughs> think it had some influence on it. I mean, if you look at all the influences Star Trek has had in terms of our daily lives, remember the first Motorola flip phone that was originally <laughs> <laughs> the communicator from the original series, right? Yeah. Um, and let's talk about Dick Tracy, you know, and his uh, phone. No, yeah, into, exactly. He had his watch, right? Um, I had read somewhere that uh, a medical school was using a holographic type of um, a surgery that was recorded uh, on all from all different cameras so that medical students could literally stand in different positions yeah. and see all angles of surgery. And I thought, wow, holographic. my granddaughter just had a 3d um, picture of her baby. So it's an ultrasound and you can actually see, Oh my God, every angle. Yeah. It's 3d <laughs> baby. And it, it looks like a picture like yeah. in the dark, black and white. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Awesome. So, I mean, and now we have the space force. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Trump. Oh my. Probably a Trekkie. So we're going to die. <laughs> yes, we could digress to that in another time. No politics till we could talk also about <laughs> events, but we're not going to talk politics that way, Dave. Okay. No, but we, but we can talk about Steve Carell's Space Force show yeah. on Netflix. That's okay. <laughs> so so you're a sci-fi guy through and yeah. through. Do you ever wish you could get do be on Star Wars at one point? Oh yeah. Cameo oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Like for me, Tell your agent. My, my big issue was always like, where are, where are all the damn Asians on Star Wars? Where are they? I mean, they've, they've literally appropriated so many things from Asian culture. If you look at the Jedis, I mean, what they wear is very Asian-like. The lightsaber is very much like a samurai sword. So there's so much Asian-ness that George Lucas utilized in Star Wars. But I, and I complained about this to the guy that played Boba Fett. I was at a convention. He was sitting next to me. And so the next day he shows up, he goes, Garrett, I have a photo for you to look at. And I'm like, oh, really? And he pulls out this photograph and it's Boba Fett in the foreground, but an Asian guy in the background, like an extra with a bandana on. He goes, there's an Asian. And I go, oh, thank you for showing me the background guy. It made other funny. aliens look Asian, but not Asians. Correct. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to think of the group, which is, but I'll go to another question. Go ahead, yeah, Dave. that's right. So, Garrett, you know, they say that uh, once you're stereotyped in Hollywood, yeah. that's it, it's over for you. Yeah. Are you going to play anything except uh, sci-fi roles? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I hope to God that and I And would you mind be... if that's all that you ever well, did? You no, know, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me if that's the rest of I my do life. Comedy, I... drama, you know. Yeah. I, I, soap I'm, opera. <laughs> my, my true love is comedy. More so than anything else. Much have you done stand-up? What have you done uh, that's besides Star Trek, which you have, and you're doing Well, too. yes, Star Trek was my, literally my 32nd audition. Um, I found out that I booked Star Trek while I was working on a sitcom called All-American Girl on ABC. This was Margaret Cho, the comedian. Her one year, it only lasted one season, very short-lived, but I played her boyfriend in the very first episode. And so I've had some sitcom, you know, experience in my life. But my growing up, I, I idolized uh, Rich Little. Rich Little, the master impersonator. Mm -hmm. I thought he was, mm -hmm. you know, the bee's knees. I thought, oh my gosh, if, I, if I could have big. a job like that, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, but Saturday Night Live, you know, sketch comedy, anything like that, that that's really down my alley but for some reason Hollywood tends to compartmentalize and put people in boxes so if you're a good-looking attractive guy well you got to play drama you can't do comedy if you're gonna do comedy you've got to be funny looking to be but a lot of these guys get discovered doing stand-up do you do stand-up I actually did stand up for the first time on the big Star Trek cruise that I went on. Uh, was it scary? Uh, it was scary. <laughs> I was nervous, but I, I, I literally, I brought the house down. So I'm wow. really, yeah. Well, you get to 
discover. Uh, you know, you have the video. I've, Somebody I've, took I a video, have, right? I, I guess I have. I have video posted on Instagram. I'm gonna, compile, or whatever. I'm gonna compile that sucker together <laughs> and, and see what I can do with it. Exactly. Yeah, I but did four minutes of comedy. That was my on my bucket list. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very grateful I did that. Yeah, millions and millions of listeners at one point in time because yeah. of Star Trek. So that's mm-hmm. the process of growing the podcast is yeah. the other brand things involving you as a brand because again i'm sure as you talked about with the coronavirus how yeah. tough it is to think about uh when am i going to do another convention because yeah. how many conventions were you doing a year oh yeah a lot of conventions at, at the top at the at <clears throat> absolute most i've ever done in one year was 25 in one year which is huge that's very difficult to do that many but on average i was probably doing about each year mm, 10 or so you know right now that star trek cruise i was talking about that was the last in-person convention to happen before the uh, mm. before the pandemic shut i would have gone yeah and dave just so you know that set, you told me you did four minutes on stage, yeah. right? That was a 60-minute set that I had to do. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> One hour straight. Where did you get your material from? Oh, it was, it was a combination of, of stories that I had told in the past on, on stage at conventions combined with things that I had observed at the beginning of that cruise, funny things with other you just actors. memorized it all? Oh, I just, yeah, I just, it just, you know, it flowed pretty naturally. Awesome. It was fun. Yeah. Put it online. I'd love to see it. Okay. We'll do. No, definitely. And uh, are you, Garrett, are you in LA? I'm currently in Calgary right now. My, uh, my significant other lives up here in Calgary. So um, the border is still closed between the U.S. and Canada, ex- unless you're an essential worker. We'll open after the election. Family member. Yeah, you, I, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, but typically, uh-huh. yes, Neil. No, it's good. no, you go, Gary. Oh, I was going to say, but typically I live in Las Vegas. So I, I left yeah. LA to get away from the craziness. So I took a break from Hollywood for about 15 years. So I oh, just recently you. started getting back into it. So, so you want to play other stuff then? Oh, yeah. Love to. Love to. Um, comedy, of course, being at the tip top. But I would love to do something other than sci-fi if, if given the opportunity, for sure. You have to create your own stuff, it sounds like, Gary. That sounds like about the way I'm going to go, yeah. If you did 60 minutes, you'll have no problem creating your own stuff. Yeah, (laughs) thank you, Dave. And you brought brought the house down, right? They were, well, let's put it this way. I did two shows. One was Thursday night, one was Saturday night. Thursday night was sort of my my test run. And then Saturday, when when that went well, I mean, that went super well. Um, I then invited all the other actors that were on that cruise and there's probably 20 of them to come watch me yeah. and i remember nana visitor from deep space nine i came off stage and she said she goes my friend you have found your second calling <laughs> is all she said and i was like thank you thank you my dear so, so are you friends with all of the uh previous star trek people like captain kirk i mean do you hang out with him uh, i know he's old yeah. <laughs> I don't hang out with Shatner, but I, I, I am friends with all of the, I mean, they all know me. I know. I mean, them. they respect you guys, right? Yeah. They don't look down well, on you. No, Dave, it's a, well, I don't know if they, it, <laughs> no, no, there's no looking down. There's definitely. Cause you're the think, younger, new, improved yeah, version they, of them. Sure. I mean, each, the, depending on when your show came out, there is this feeling of, that in the hierarchy of family that they are a little bit more important. <laughs> yeah. So Shatner probably thinks he's at the very top. He's of the course. patriarch. And then he can next do, gen he can guy, do yeah, he can commercial. do whatever he wants. Yeah. He can. <laughs> Make it crazy. Guy, with all the, everyone all together. What's have, that? Have all the different shows in one movie. Yeah. That would be yeah. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Your imagination will keep shows. you from uh, making the next best hit. You know? Yeah. 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 What it's, is the next one? The next what? The next. The next. Trek? The next thing, yeah. The next. The next Star Trek. Oh my God! Well, like I said, they're they're working on a Captain Pike show. So you know, Pike was one of the original captains from the original series. So yeah. that's probably the new. And a lot of these remakes, you know, aren't necessarily successful, but not so with Star Trek. I think each one kind of outdoes the last one, which is really hard to believe, but it, it right. happens, right? Right. There hasn't it, been a dud yet, right? No. Dave and Neil, have you guys watched the Orville, Seth MacFarlane's uh, show? No, Have you no. seen that? Okay. So the Orville really, I, it's, it is his homage to Star Trek. He's a huge Star Trek fan. And I know that with Fox, that when he first, you know, pitched this idea to them, I think he probably said to them, it's family guy meets Star <laughs> Trek, you know, family guy and Star Trek. So a comedic Star Trek. But if you watch the show, season one, episode one, yes, there's some funny business going on there, but every episode after gets less funny and more Star Trek. And so now if you watch <laughs> it, it's third season, it's like watching an episode of Next Generation. <laughs> 
Voyager. It's like, hey, they okay. just can't help themselves. Yeah. All right. No, now, no. Talk about the event on Wednesday. Yeah. Now you you're part of that panel and talk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. That event uh, talking about race and and Star Trek and race and, oh. and science fiction basically. Um, uh, it's along with uh, Tim Russ who played the the Vulcan on our show. Who Tim is African American as well as Peter Macon who is an African-American gentleman who plays an alien on The Orville, the show that I was talking about to you, Seth MacFarlane's show. So the three of us, originally it was the two of them, and then someone called me up and said, hey, we'd love to have you join along and have a little bit of a different perspective of a person of color um, that isn't African-American. So I'm very much looking forward to being part of this panel on Wednesday. Interesting. Awesome. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, a pro, it's an interesting thing to have that conversation, especially mm-hmm. what you've dealt with in acting as well. Because remember, you said is everyone needs to know it's Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, right, for the panel? Yeah, I think, I think it's actually, yeah, 7 to It starts at 7, it ends at 9. So 7 p.m. Eastern, I think, is Eastern. the actual time. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks guys. Dave. That was Caregivers of the Ape Celebrity Segment here on The Neil Haley Show. Take care. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.